Do you pray? Is your prayer frequent or infrequent? When you pray, what is typically your purpose? Do you feel good about your prayer life or do you feel that you have neglected prayer? Exactly what is prayer supposed to be? Today's topic on Craving Answers, Craving God, Talking to God. I'm Chuck Rathert with Aaron Miller. Aaron is the pastor at St. James Lutheran Church in Glen Carbon, Illinois. You can access this episode as well as all of our other episodes from our website, cacg.stjamesglencarbon.org. Aaron, we did a show on prayer some time ago. It was episode 20 for those who might want to review. In that conversation, you said this, we a lot of times think about prayer as asking God to do things for us, but he saved us for a relationship. He didn't save us just to do things for us. He saved us for a relationship. So prayer is fundamentally just talking to God. That's a quote. You put prayer into the context of relationship. Can you describe that relationship in more than just abstract terms? Yes, that's. I think this is a great topic. I didn't think about this when we finished uh, recording that until you brought up this topic, Chuck, that this is actually worthwhile. It's one thing to talk about prayer in sort of the theoretical and the abstract. You know, what does it mean to talk to God? Does God want us to talk to him? That Those sorts of things. But I, I think it's really worthwhile that we spend a few minutes here um, together talking about how that works and what that looks like. Because if it's gonna, if, if prayer is gonna be a thing, at some point we're gonna have to do it. And what does it look like? Uh, what should we be listening for? Uh, how do we hear God's voice back? These are all worthwhile questions. All part of a context of relationship. So yeah. if you use the term relationship, people think about the relationships they have with other people at all various kinds of levels, mm -hmm. whether they're intimate with family or whether they're uh, casual with uh, friends. But there's no relationship I don't think that any human being has with another human being that even mirrors or comes close to looking like our relationship right. to God. That's just a totally different thing. Yeah. So we can't I guess, draw from our human experience in order to figure out how we should be conducting ourselves in prayer inside our relationship to God. And that's why I use the word abstract. It just seems to me to be nebulous, vague, obscure, and I need some clarity on that. Can you help me with that? Well, I, I actually think we can uh, to a great extent. Uh, well, you're totally right that a relationship with God if the Christian God is who he says he is and loves us like he says he does and wants to know us and for us to know him like he claims, then um, it is different. There's, there's going to be some significant differences. But I also think that there's some, some a pretty significant overlap between the way that we talk to God and he talks to us and the way we have relationships with other people. I mean, uh, so th this is one of my main th thesis just in uh, – in my philosophy of uh, counseling or uh, actually the way I prepare sermons is that the image of God, the Bible insists that he created us in his image. He created all human beings to reflect him and to look like him. That what that primarily means is relationship. The one thing we know about God from Genesis chapter 1 is that He has he's in relationship. Well, we know other, other things too. He's all 
mighty, of course, and he's powerful enough to create the universe. But one of the things we know uh, about him as he's creating humans is he is plural. Let us, plural, make uh, man in our plural image. And then he goes on to make uh, man, and man and woman, male and female, he created them in his image. And one of the things this means is that the, the earmark of uh, the image of God is relationship. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit eternally in relationship into infinity, past and future. And when he makes humans, he makes them in, in the same way. He makes them for, for relationship to reflect him. So what does that mean? As far as prayer goes, what it means is this, is that the way that we relate to other people is the way that God designed us to look like him, which means that a relationship with God is fundamentally going to look the same way as it does with other people. Now, of course, there's some radical differences, like you pointed out. But in terms of being able to talk and someone else hear you and understand what you're saying and respond back with language so that you can hear them and know what they're thinking in their head, that's a that's the way prayer works. Just the same. I won't say just the same. I shouldn't say just the same, but very, very similar to a conversation I have with a friend of mine. I talk, he listens. He talks, I listen. And together in the middle of that conversation, we're creating something new and fresh, a relationship. And that's the way it is with God. We talk, he listens, he talks, we listen. Well, that yes, that's true. I wouldn't quarrel with anything you said there, but I'm not sure that that gets me, advances the ball for me on this question. You have a wife in, in human experience. We have spouses in your relationship with your wife, which is your most important relationship on this planet. You talk to her, she responds. She talks to you, you respond. If you talk to her and she doesn't respond, you say, uh-oh, something is amiss. Right. So you said, you talk, your friend listens, he talks, you listen. Yes. That's fine. But when it comes to prayer, we sit down and we talk to God and we get silence. At least that's the way it feels to me, especially if you're bringing something to God that is really on your heart and on your mind, it's yeah. important. And you pour out your, your soul and then nothing. Now, that's bad news in a human experience. How is, it's not gonna work with your wife, How's it supposed to work with God? Yeah, so you're right. It doesn't work. If I pray, if I pray to God, let me say this way, if I talk to my wife the way I pray to God, it's not going to work. So too often Christians- Well, because Christians, they, they, they don't pray right. What we do is we turn prayer and Bible reading into you know spiritual discipline, however you want to say it. So I'm going to sit down. i got 10 minutes of prayer here. I'm going to pray. i got my list. I'm going to pray. I'm going to talk. And then maybe I'll have 10 minutes of Bible reading, and then uh, that may or may not be connected with the prayer at all. Maybe, maybe, you don't even, maybe you don't even read it. Maybe a lot of people who are listening to this who are, you know, identify as Christians don't even read their Bibles. And it, it would be like this. Like if I said to Angela, okay, we're married. Um, I'm going to talk to you for 10 minutes. I'm going to talk. And uh, you just sit there and listen, and I talk straight for 10 minutes. And then... Sometime later on in the day, I might say, okay, now it's your turn. You talk for 10 minutes. 
we are not going to have a good relationship. There's no give and take there at all. I talk for 10 minutes without listening to her, and then she gets a chance to talk to 10 minutes without listening to me. And that's the way we pray and read our Bibles in the Christian church all too often. We have prayer time. That's part of our daily devotional routine. And then we have Bible reading time. And instead, so you're saying that's, that's wrong? Well, I, I'm not saying it's wrong. It's better to pray and read your Bible in a way that's uh, not incredibly beneficial than it is to just ignore prayer and Bible reading altogether. But honestly, just to be super practical, if you want to have a conversation with God, then have a conversation with God, which means talk to him and then listen to him in tandem. I'm a big advocate. Listen to him. When when does that part come in? Yeah, so here's I, I'm a big advocate of. Um, uh, okay, so just basics here, just in case anybody doesn't have the basics. Christians believe that the Bible is God's word. In other words, it's the word that comes out of His mouth. It's His communication to us. Um, if that's the case, then I think that prayer and Bible reading needs to be done in tandem. I, I think it's. Uh, I don't think it's super helpful to have like your, uh, like I said, a block of prayer time followed by a block of Bible reading time. I've become, um, and the more so as I get older in my faith, and I should say this too, is that Bible reading has always been easy for me. I love to read. I love history. I love literature. uh, I love theology and philosophy, stuff like that. Prayer has always been difficult for me. I've not always been the most consistent prayer. And um, that's changing as I'm getting older. And one of the things that's helping that change is learning this. Um, it's just a, I don't want to say it's a technique. It's a technique in the sense of you have to do something. But I think it's just good relationship. W- when, you, when you pray, do not pray without your Bible. You should pray. Sometimes I'm driving when I pray. That's totally fine. I'm not saying this is like some sort of hard and fast rule and this is the only way to do it all the time. But I think in general, one of the things that you're going to want to do is pray with your Bible open, talk to God, and then immediately listen to him. Talk to God, then listen to him. And then talk back to him and then listen to him some more. This is the way relationships work. They aren't Relationships don't work on monologues. They work on give and take. They work on uh, conversation in tandem. And so, so what do you say to the listener who says, Wow, that's boy. I wish I wish that was the way it went for me. I wish uh, because I'm a praying person. Uh, I I would not say that I am neglectful, but I pray and I pray about things that are important. And I think I listen, and I don't hear anything. I you know I would love to get a yes or a no, but the next day and the next day and the next day I'm praying the same prayer over and over again because I haven't heard from God. Yes, I would say read your Bible. You you need to have your Bible open. You need to be listening to God's voice from the text. You need to be praying. Look, I I don't if I talk about this people are going to be like, oh, "I'm going to write this down maybe and uh, try and follow this technique." Or people are going to say, "Oh, you're just making up a bunch of man-made rules, uh, you know, fooey on you." And I don't want them to do either one of those things. So I'm not saying that this is the way it has to be, but I'll, so I'll just tell, I'll tell you what I do in, in the mornings, uh, sometimes in the evenings. Um, I'll have so so what I do is w- when I read the Bible, I'm going to read part of the Psalms every day. I'm going to read some from the Old Testament every day. I'm going to read some from the New Testament every day. And w- the first thing I read when I when I when, when I sit down to have a real to, to to engage in my relationship with God, 
I always start with the Psalms. And I'm going to read those Psalms. I'm going to read a Psalm. Psalms are typically short. They don't take a long time. And I'm going to talk to God. I'm going to read the Psalm, and I'm going to talk to God about who he is in that Psalm. So if God is described as a fortress in the Psalm, I'm going to say to God in prayer as I'm reading, I'm going to stop and pause. I'm going to read a line. I'm going to stop and pause, and I'm going to say, thank you, God, for being a fortress to me, for protecting me. For being, a, for being a rock that I can place my feet on and know that my feet will not slip. If I read about God being a shepherd, I'm not going to just read through the whole thing because I just got to get Psalm 23 done you know, so I can check it off my devotional list. I'm going to read the Lord is my shepherd, and then I'm going to stop, and I'm going to say, God, thanks for guiding me. Thanks for protecting me. Thanks for feeding me. Thanks for leading me. Those sorts of things. And, and what I'm doing is I'm talking to God. I'm listening to him talk to me. And I almost always want to start off with the Bible reading. I want him to have the first word. Listen to the Bible and then talk back to him about who he is. And then, uh, this is again, this is not, I'm not putting this down as law. Then typically, I'm going to read the Psalms. I'm going to read some of the Psalms. And, and I try, I'm, I'm trying right now to read through the Psalms once a month, to read all 150 Psalms once a month, to read through the Psalms 12 times a year. I realize that not everybody has not everybody's going to be in a place where that's going to be feasible feasible for them in their work and family life. That's fine. I, I'm, in a, I'm in a different position. But if you can do that, that would be great. I'm going to move on from the Psalms, and I'm going to read some from the Old Testament. And same thing. And now this time I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk to God about my sinfulness, and I'm going to confess to him the different parts of my life that are broken. And I have three big things that almost every time that I sit down and read the Old Testament— it could be the New Testament too. There's not any necessarily necessary connection between my sinfulness and the Old Testament. It just works out that way in conversation. There's three big things that I'm typically going to ask God to forgive me for. Um, uh, three big L's, uh, laziness, uh, lust, and lovelessness, which is kind of in my mind, it's a fancy word for self-centeredness. And I'm going to read the Old Testament. I'm going to re read about what God's doing there. I'm not reading for information. I'm reading for story. Sometimes I'm reading for information. And I'm just listening to his voice. I'm letting him talk. Look, if he's promised that he's talked in his word, then he gets to say what he wants in his word. And I get to say what I want in prayer. And that's the way conversations work. I'm going to also go to the New Testament, and I'm going to read a chunk of the Gospels or St. Paul or St. Peter, and I'm going to talk to God about the things I'm uh, grateful for and thankful for in my life. The first round, the first go around is I'm reading the Psalms. I'm uh, talking to God about what I'm thankful for, about his character. That's my focus is on who he is, his character. Later on, as I'm reading the New Testament, I'm going to focus on the things he's done for me, for my friends, for my church, uh, for the good things that have happened, for delicious food, for whatever it is that I'm thankful for. And I'm going to also, um, I'm going to also uh, make my request. I'm going to ask him to do stuff. But it's this constant give and take between listening to him talk, me responding with my words. Now, do, 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 maybe you're going to get to this. Maybe one of the temptations is to, well, so prayer is asking God to do things, right? Well, no, no, no. Prayer is listening to him talk and then responding to him. That's the way relationships work. You don't go into a relationship saying, okay, I want to get A, B, and C out of this conversation with my friend today. And okay, here, let me, A, B, and C. So what are you going to do about that? <laughs> now you listen to them talk and then you respond back to them and you talk about them and you talk about you and you talk about us, the two together. And I think that's just the best way to go into this. Listening to you, and I'm trying to just use my imagination and picture you doing this, whether you're here at the church or whether you're at home in the evening, 
you make it sound like God is right there, like he's proximate, uh, it, he, like he's close. But I think a lot of us, maybe most of us, praying people feel like God is distant. And so we're praying. We don't even know mm-hmm. where to look. We don't. We don't even know where to, how to face him. I mean, when you usually when you have communication, you face the person you right, talk. Right. We don't know where he is. We're just sort of expressing words. They're going off into space, and then we're done. And we don't even know if they arrived. We don't even know if we made any sense because he doesn't feel close. Yeah. So I envy you in a way. After listening to you describe your relationship, your your relationship well, in. In, oh, what do you mean, wool? Well, that's a so that you, you you can't frame it in terms of like I have this spectacular. I, I don't. I just have a normal relationship with God. Uh, so two things here. First of all, you put me in a bad spot because uh, when you bring up people who don't feel the presence of God, I'm required to to say I want to be completely sensitive to that. There are times in every Christian's life when they don't feel like God is near. There are times in every human being's life with one of their friends or one of their you know, spouse or dear family member when they feel like they're talking to them but they're not getting through. I, I want to be sensitive to that. That's actually a real thing. The valley of the shadow of death. Yeah, I, I, yeah exactly. I don't want to pretend like somehow if you just follow these easy steps I've given you, God will always be magnificently uh, uh, present to you. And, and you know what the problem is here is that we have a lot of people who are listening to us who say, oh, yeah, I'm interested in this topic. Give me the three steps. That's what they're yeah. listening. They're waiting for the three steps. Yes. Which you haven't given yet, and I, I think you're saying that you're not going to give. Well, so I, I am giving you steps. I'm just saying that it, like any relationship, there are times in any marriage when you sleep with a person, you eat with a person, you watch a movie with a person, and you feel like they're miles away. That's the, that's the way every relationship is. However, if I don't ever listen to my wife talk, if I don't have if I don't ever have conversations with my wife, that's only going to exacerbate it. So what I'm trying to say is this, and this is very very like bipolar here. Like there's uh, this is very very. I'm giving you two options when there's so many more. Okay, but just to simplify it, there's two reasons why you might feel that God's not close. One is is that you're going through one of those seasons where because of something that you're struggling with, or because of um, uh, you know, some sort of crisis in your life, or just because of the spiritual doldrums which everybody goes through, you're not feeling God's presence, even though you're making yourself, to the best of your ability by the power of the Holy Spirit, you're making yourself available to Him. That's one reason why you might not feel God's presence, just because we all go through those bad times. But there's another reason, which I think is much more common, why people don't feel God's presence, and that is, is they don't have conversations with Him. Look, if I don't ever talk to my wife, I'm not going to feel like I know her. If I just spend 10 minutes a day or five minutes you a day. You won't know her because she'll be gone. That's right. She would bail on me. If I just spend a few minutes giving her my monologue and then I give her a few minutes to give me her monologue, we're not going to know each other. And a lot of times when people say, I don't feel God's presence, it's because, or I don't feel like, when I, when I pray, I don't feel like God's talking to me. One of the main reasons is because they are not doing it in conversation. They are not doing it with God's word, God's voice open in front of them. They are starting the conversation and insisting that God respond to them instead of reading the Bible and then responding to that. That's a, I think that's a, the, the, the biggest problem why people don't feel God's presence is because they just aren't going to God's presence. They aren't going to where he meets us in his word. All kinds of settings for prayer. Um, we always say the Lord's Prayer in worship. It's just something mm-hmm. that we do and... 
I think most of us would feel like, whoa, we left something out. If we didn't say the Lord's Prayer in worship, that, that would be a mistake. And, but maybe we're not even paying attention. The words are coming out of our mouth. We're not even paying attention. Or sometimes there are families who say a little prayer of grace before they eat, before a meal. A lot of families who teach their children that. Where do those prayers fit into this conversation that you're talking about? Well, so they're really good. They're really sweet. I mean, and it's a great point. I'm glad you brought this up because not every, just go back to my, you know, to a friend, you know, you've got a really good friend. Not every conversation you have with that friend is going to be a really in-depth conversation. Now, if you aren't having those in-depth, deep conversations, you're not going to have much of a friendship. So having a regular pattern of listening to God talk to you in his word and then responding to him in prayer, then listening to him back, then responding to him in prayer. That's super important. Sometimes though, having a friend, you know, that that's that's absolutely absolutely essential. Sometimes though, you're just gonna text and say, hey, how you doing? Hope your hope your day's going well. It's not, it's not in depth, but it's an important part of friendship. Prayer is like this as well. I mean, you, we need to have times when we are d- deeply involved in serious conversation with uh, with God about who he is and what he's done for us and what we need. Sometimes, though, our conversations with God are going to be like text, just checking in, you know? Uh, sometimes, so, uh, you know, I'm, this is kind of a thing that I do uh, frequently. Uh, in fact, I've, I learned this from a, from a, a former pastor who I uh, dearly respect. When I walk up to the house of somebody who I'm going to visit, it could be like a rough visit. It could just be I'm just checking in on them. I will as I'm as, as I'm walking to the door, I will pray to God and I will say, God, help me listen, help me talk. Help me listen, help me talk. Okay. Is that really a deep, like intimate relationship with God that I'm doing there? No, I'm just in that moment, I just want to talk to God about this real quick. It's almost like sending him a text and saying, Hey, can you, you know, pick something up at the store for me? That's a little crass, but you know what I mean. And um I think that's an important part of my relationship with God is that any moment, any time, I can say, hey, God, will you help me out here? Something serious, something small. But if that's all my conversations with God are, just texting to say, can you do this for me? That's not really going to – I'm not going to have a deep sense of his presence if that's the extent of my conversations with God. Or if I'm only going to him when I need something, we all know of people who – you know, they got friends, uh, friends in scare quotes, and the, the friends are the people that they just go to if they need something. They're not really interested in them as a people. They're just interested in what that person can do for them. Well, that's not much of a friendship. And in fact, that person can sense that. And there's always going to, even if that person wants to be kind, there's always going to be a gap or a wall there between them because the, 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 the relationship isn't important. It's what can I get out of the relationship? Similarly, prayer is the same way. If if we're only talking to God because we need him to do stuff for us, we can't really say that's a relationship. I mean, God loves us, and he totally is on board with us. And even when we're like that with him, he still is going to be faithful and committed to us. But if we want, if we personally want to experience his presence, we're going to have to do more than just say, hey, can you do this for me? I can't hear you. Where are you at, God? We're going to need to be listening to his voice. Well, okay, so I pray and ask for things. Well, now I'm going to listen to his voice. Well, no, no, no. You start off with the Bible. <laughs> listening to his voice means you let him have the first word. See, that's the game changer that you just brought up. Yeah, I think so. Um, 
if we are going to move from a position of, oh, I got a new need, I got, I, or I got an old need, or this has popped up and I need help, and so better start praying. If if that's sort of the essence of our prayer life, that doesn't look, I don't think, anything like what you're talking about. Yeah. Give him the first yeah. word and then let the conversation proceed from there. It yes. almost reverses the dynamic, I think. Uh, I'm yeah. trying to keep this from being abstract. It's still kind of abstract to me, but uh, uh, that unlocks kind of a new right. line of thinking. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think this is... Uh, uh, but part of this too is that we we all know think about think about the things that were important to you 15 years ago the things that you were like I just need this to happen like God help me not to lose this job or you know I'll talk to kids at the high school sometime and uh, this has happened several times in the past year or so one of them will get a hold of me and it'll turn out that they've broken up with a girlfriend or with a boyfriend and they just don't know what they're gonna do and they're praying and asking God for help. Okay, so that's important. We need to pray about those things. But, you know, five years down the road, they look back on that high school relationship and they're like, oh, why was I so emotionally invested in that? Okay, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. We're all emotionally invested in things that we think are important now. But when we say the first word, when we say this relationship is going to be about this particular need right now, what we're doing is we're saying to God, there's something about me that I know deep down inside is temporary and fleeting, and that I won't be concerned about at a different point in my life, but God, I want my relationship with you to be based upon that temporary fleeting feeling or desire or request. Instead of saying, like, God, I am your child, you start the conversation. Like, I have things I want to pray to you about, but before I get to those, I want to hear your voice. I want to know what you want. And just believing and assuming that because he speaks to us in his word, he's already taken into account all the things that we need and desire and want, and that he wants to give us himself instead. And so here, I mean, here's the here's one of the deals with relationships: is I talk to Angela, she talks to me, I talk back to her, she talks to me, and before you know it, we have fashioned and formed. We've done this mind meld thing. It doesn't mean we always agree. But anybody who's got like a spouse or, or a best friend or a or really close loved one will know what happens is, is that you cease becoming yourself and you become this two-headed thing, this relationship. Or in the case of like extended friend groups, you become a three-headed thing or a four-headed thing. That's why, you know, I act differently around different friends. And it's almost like I've become something different because with different friends, we're different people. And... Um, well, there's the, the famous uh, uh, quote from C.S. Lewis that I, I want to say I'm going to mess up the people. When Walter Hooper passed away, he thought to himself, um, well, now I'll get more of Tolkien. You know, uh, it's, I'm sad that and, – and, and I totally messed up those names because I think that Walter Hooper actually lived longer than Lewis. I should just say when one friend passed away, one of their mutual friends, he thought, well, it's sad that friend A passed away, but now I might get to spend more time with friend B. And what he realized when he started talking to friend B was there was something about friend B that Lewis loved and longed for that died when friend A died mm. because it was something that only friend A could pull out of friend B. And that's what happens in a relationship. And what we're looking for in our relationship with God, if we want to know the closeness with him and to experience that, is to have this sort of mind meld with him 
where he's shaping and transforming. It's just like in any relationship. He's shaping and transforming us to value the things that he values, to learn to, re- to learn to realize that he's valuing the things that we value. And that's the main goal of this relationship, not to get the things that we want, but to participate in this sort of divine mind meld with him. If you'll indulge me for a moment, I'd like to read from 1 Chronicles 29, which records a prayer of David in the time before his death. He is anticipating uh, his death and Solomon, his son, taking over the kingdom. And he prayed, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. I'm thinking and listening to you that when I remember reading this, this you know, fairly long time ago, uh, maybe God spoke to me because this got my attention. This is not the way I typically pray. It might, I might go so far as to say this is, I never pray like this. This is David, the Messiah of typical, a a typological Messiah of his day. He is the anointed one. Yep. Praying to God in a position, maybe to say lots of things about himself but no, he, his whole prayer is just an exaltation of God. Yeah. And I'm thinking that probably fewer of us than more don't ever pray like this. Right. Or if we do, it's exceedingly rare. Yeah. So what can we learn from David? Well, it's, yeah, go to the Psalms and pray to God about what he's telling you about himself in the Psalms. If you want to feel close to him, make it about him. And so, well, a couple things. First of all, this is just the way relationship. Again, there's overlap here with our human relationships. This is just the way good relationships work. If you went on a first date, or if you went to a party and you met somebody new, you wouldn't, you know, so, so let's say that a mutual friend introduces you to a to, to to a person, and then they kind of step away, and you're kind of standing there. What are we going to talk about? You don't immediately start telling them your life story. Any kind of good conversationalist will ask questions about them. Well, you know, tell me about yourself. Tell me who you are. You know, what are your likes and dislikes? Where do you come from? What do you do for a living? Do you got family? You know, what are your hobbies? That sort of thing. That's the way relationship, good relationships work. If you want to feel close to somebody, you ask them questions about themselves. Now, we're totally free to ask God questions about himself, but he gives us in his word, he gives us this uh, brilliant uh, manifestation of who he is, and, he, and and David's just tapping into that. David's prayer is about who God is, because he wants to feel close to God. He knows that's the main thing about prayer is relationship with God. And so when he talks to God, he t- now David's going to have re- lots of requests, but a huge chunk of the Psalms is th- this extended reflection on the character of God and the mighty works of God and the things that he's done in the past. And praising him and worshiping him and making his name great, like just lifting him up, which brings me to kind of the second thing I want to say is it's totally appropriate for God because he is worthy of praise. We struggle with this with other people. We struggle with people, uh, you know, I, I might struggle if you say to me, hey, 
we're going to talk and we're going to have a conversation, but I'm always going to start the conversation and it's always going to be about me. I would struggle with that because you and I are just human beings. We're on an equal point. God gets to do that though because he knows that that's actually what's going to fulfill us, that what we long for is not just for him to solve these two or three requests that we have. What we're deeply longing for is a relationship with him. And so he starts off by saying, hey, listen to my voice and listen to my voice and my word and then think about that and talk to me about that and like reflect back to me what you're hearing and give me praise because he knows that that's going to connect us to him. So in closing, suppose I were to say to you, yeah, I I go to church pretty often, maybe not every Sunday, but I go pretty often. And to be honest, that's about the only time I really come face to face with the word of God. I hear the readings in church, listen to what the pastor has to say about any particular reading. Um, but my Bible at home, you could, I could probably write my name in the dust on top of my Bible. And as much as I hate to admit it, I just don't even think about praying until I'm in trouble. Right. Until I've, I'm facing something that is beyond my reach and I need some almighty help in order to get through it. So I'm, I'm curious and interested about what you've described here, but I wouldn't have the first clue where to start. Yeah. I don't, I don't have that kind of relationship now and I don't think I know how to begin it. Yeah. And I, and I need more than start reading your Bible. Right. Well, so, I mean, the good news is, is, is if that's, if you're going to God when you're in trouble and it's the only time you've gone to him in years, just do it. He wants to hear from you. He's not, this is not some sort of game he plays like, you know, like the passive aggressive games we play with our spouses or with our friends where, well, you haven't talked to me. Fine. I won't talk to you. He's never playing those games. He always wants a relationship with us. He's always faithful to us. Second of all, I would say if you're looking for more than the Bible, you're actually, we're having the wrong conversation here. I, God gives himself to us in his word. That's where it's at. Like, that's where you've got to start with. That's where you've got to end with. You've got to start with the word and sacraments, and you just have to keep going back to the word. If somebody says to me, okay, listen, I want to know God. You just have to keep going back to the word. You know, that's kind of scary. That's kind of intimidating. It's like, whew, I don't do that now, but I have to do it. Ooh, that's kind of intimidating. I guess so. I don't know. I uh, maybe because it just seems like, I, I, from from a human perspective, I think it might be intimidating because, like, if if I've ignored a friend for a long time, or if my relationship with my wife has soured and gone south, to actually go to her and say, "Hey, hey look, can we start over? Like, let's go out and get something to eat tonight, and I just want to hear what you've been going through and what you're thinking." and how your day was. Let's just talk. There's something sort of intimidating about that, I guess. But honestly, if you want to know your wife better, if you say to me, look, I really want a better relationship with my spouse, but can I do it where they don't talk to me at all and where I only have to talk to them a little bit? I'll just say, well, no, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> well, so at least you're honest. Yeah. And it's the same thing with God. Like if we want to experience if we want to know that when we need to know that he's present, we can know that he's present. The only way that we're going to be able to do that, there's no shortcuts. The only way to do that. Now, if it's intimidating to be like, well, the Bible's super scary and like, uh, I, I, I don't have time to sit down and read my Bible and pray for two hours, like get a hold of me. I'm not talking about that. Like start off small. The Bible's not scary. It's big. It's bold. It's it is full too of scary. Goodness. 
It's not scary to you because you know your way around it, but it's scary for many of us who, let's just say that I'm in your office and we're having this conversation face-to-face and uh-huh. I'm looking for help and, oh, pastor, it seems like my prayers never get higher than the ceiling, that kind of stuff. And you say to me, well, you have to start reading your Bible. And my face drops and I look discouraged because I don't know where to start. It just seems like an impossible yeah. mountain to climb. What are you going to tell me to read Well, first? I'm going to say, here, here's what I want you to do. I want you to come back tomorrow, and you and I are going to sit down, and we're going to read the Bible together for 10 minutes. And I'll talk about what we're reading, and you talk about what we're reading, and you and I are going to have a relationship with God together, which is this isn't the element that we haven't talked about so far. You did bring up prayer in church, but this is I didn't mention it there, but this is an important part of that, is that you don't need to have a relationship with God on your own. So I was talking to... Um, and maybe they'll listen to this, but I was talking to a, a young couple recently, and they were talking about um, early on in their relationship, she didn't, he had a really strong relationship with God, and she was kind of a little bit kind of growing up into it. And she had this kind of feeling like the reason that I want to go to church and be interested in God and read my Bible is mainly because I'm interested in this guy. And that feels kind of weird. It felt kind of weird to her, like, is it artificial? And what I wanted to say to them is, no, it's absolutely not artificial. My relationship with God doesn't exist outside of my relationship with you and my relationship with my spouse. It all happens in community. So don't think of it as this scary moment where, like, I'm all on my own and there's this big old book with black leather and it's got filled with all these words I don't understand. Like, do it in community. Okay, so so if you have a friend, Chuck, and I really, really, somebody I think, I'd really like to know that friend really well. I wouldn't just be like, Chuck, I don't know that person. It's too scary to talk to him. Except for you would say to me, you would say, oh, that's not really scary. I know that person really well. They would like you. Here, I'll, I'll introduce you. Let's, let's get some lunch together, the three of us sometime. That's the best way to do this with God, too. Is like, so if, if you're on your own and you're freaked out about God and how the Bible's so scary, like, get a hold of me. Get a hold of somebody else who loves Jesus and do it in relationship. There are people who are willing to introduce you to him. I might have to start calling you Dr. Aaron. I think you just gave me a prescription. <laughs> it's, at least that's the way it sounded. That's a little corny. So you know what I'm hoping? Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm hoping that uh, we've sort of given people maybe open a door. And I'm hoping people who listen to this maybe will respond. We always invite people to, to comment and to respond. I would be very much interested, for those of you who are listening, if you have a reaction to this discussion, I'd like to hear from you. We would all like to hear from you. So uh, keep that in mind. And if you want to review the previous program we did on prayer, as I said, that's episode 20. I think these two kind of go together, don't you? Yeah. Yep. 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 All right. Thanks for listening to Craving Answers, Craving God with Aaron Miller. He's the pastor at St. James Lutheran Church in Glen Carbon, Illinois. If you'd like to express that opinion on this show, you'll find a comment option at the bottom of the episode page. If you enjoyed this edition of Craving Answers, Craving God, please tell your friends about us. And on our episode page, you'll find a place where you can leave that comment. I'm Chuck Rather.